Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Hey, good morning, you guys. You guys sounded amazing. Wasn't worship good today? If you're not fired up now, then uh, you're not alive. I don't know. It was outstanding. It was really good. Before we jump into our, uh, our message today, I want to give you a quick announcement. We have a class called Prepare for Marriage. So if you are planning on getting married and you'd like one of the pastors from Rocky Peak to do the ceremony, um, this class is designed for you. It's an eight-week class. It kicks off on September 18th. And the reason I'm telling you today is because today is the last weekend to register. So if you want more info on that, check your uh, program. There's a lot of details listed out in there. But you're gonna get a, a, it's going to be a great class. A lot of different people going to be presenting, sharing a lot of godly wisdom in there. Hopefully set you up for a really good run. Sound good? So if you know people that are considering marriage, point them that direction. It's going to be an outstanding class. Well, speaking of wisdom, godly wisdom, um, how many of you, as you would look at your own life, would realize, like, the good things that have happened in your life, you've received good, godly counsel in your life that's helped you point you in the right direction? How many, how many could? Okay, good. Almost everybody is raising their hand. Um, how many of you have had the opportunity to be somebody who's helped somebody else Give them some good godly advice, godly counsel, and you've seen benefit in their life. How many would acknowledge that? Okay, good. Pretty universal. How many of you would say, ah, yes, I've tried to give advice and it's turned out really poorly? <laughs> yeah, okay. We've all been there too. So hopefully today we'll, we're going to learn how to be someone who gives better advice, godly advice. But in reality, we shouldn't always jump in. We shouldn't always uh, be trying to insert ourselves. It, there's gonna be, there has to be a lot of wisdom. In fact, some people are just not open to receiving advice or correction. Or it's not the right place at the time. And sometimes it will backfire on you. It turns on you. In fact, there's a proverb that mentions it. Um, it says this. Turn to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7. This is what it says. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7. It says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Well, that's interesting. You correct somebody, it turns into insult. Um, uh, I'm one of the senior pastors here, and, uh, but I also work as a reserve police officer. And so I've been doing that for a lot of years. I did a vice tour for about a year and a half. And so I was working undercover, and we would go into different, they're called ABC locations, bars, things like that, selling alcohol. And we do checks. And there's this one problem location that we were assigned because there's so many, you know, uh, fights, narcotics, everything else coming out of here. So they wanted to have some enforcement. So we started enforcing, uh, doing some enforcement there. And it was just a mess. Every time we'd go, we, we're always citing somebody for something. Uh, they were just, they were always breaking the rules. So we'd been doing this. In fact, the courts had gotten so upset with this establishment, this restaurant, um, that they began putting restrictions. They had a couple bars in there. And so even if they, the bartenders could only serve one drink per person, because they wanted that bartender to look in the eye of the other person they're serving, make sure they're not already drunk. So We'd have to even go in there and spot check for that, making sure they're not giving multiple drinks to one person, things like that. So one night, and let me even give you a little more backstory. We had talked to the owners, uh, everybody that we cite, different servers, bartenders. Listen, this is how you do it. If you want to avoid this, this is all you got to do. And we'd give great advice, great counsel, and they'd smile and nod, uh-huh, uh-huh. But next time you come, they're doing the same thing. So we did another spot check and uh, even advised the bouncers, and uh, they had some door people, doormen that were there, and uh, we'd ID ourselves, get in, and we'd counsel them, listen, if we come here, because we had an idea they were tipping us off when we'd go in, listen, when we come, 
my sergeant was really stern. He says, you may not interfere. You may not reveal the identity of an undercover police officer. There's going to be consequences for you. So anyway, we go in there. ID. I go to one bar. My partner goes to another bar. We're going to do a quick spot check, checking it out. And uh, as I'm standing there, one of the doormen, one of the bartenders comes, not bartenders, but one of the uh, bouncer guys comes darting through the, uh, through the whole restaurant scene. And he gets to that bar and he starts yelling to the bartender, hey, two undercover cops in here. One of them's blonde, brown shirt, blue jeans. You know, he doesn't realize I'm like six inches from him. I'm just staring at him. He has no, he, he's so in his tunnel that he cannot even realize. The bartender looks over. He sees me. I've sighted him before. He knows me. Um, he's looking at me, and he's like shaking his head to the guy saying, it's like, no, like stop. He trying to stop it. And I said, hey, does he look like this? Oh, oh. <laughs> yep. All right, smart guy. Let's go for a walk. So we took him out front, gave him to my sergeant. You know, it's interesting. Uh, they gave us all nicknames. They called me Officer Menace because I look like Dennis the Menace. So, you know, Try and correct somebody, can turn on you. I love that proverb. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Well, hello. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he'll hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. Instruct a wise man, he'll be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, it'll add to his learning. Look at the words that's used in this proverb. Corrects, rebukes, instruct, teach. These are all forms of giving counsel, advice. Now, this can happen professionally. There's some great professional counselors. I encourage people to go see them. But often, this happens informally. Friend to a friend. Parents giving godly counsel to their kids. One person to another, trying to point them on, direct them in the right, right direction. And it's not new in the Bible. In Proverbs chapter 1, it even lays out about, encourages someone and talks about a man acquiring wise counsel. The book of Deuteronomy talks about it. Talking about parents giving counsel to your kids as you walk along the way, as they get up. It's just kind of everyday experiences. You see it in the New Testament, the book of Romans. Paul encouraging the Christians in Rome, hey, counsel one another, encourage one another. So there's a backdrop of this. It's about, there's something that happens in our everyday lives about giving wise counsel and godly advice. But how do you do that? You know, today we are continuing our series called Choose Wisely. The topic is godly counsel. Um, and uh, as, we, as we go into this, it has, it's been... Like the book of Proverbs was mostly penned by Solomon, known as the wisest person who ever lived. Wise sayings in here. And the, the backdrop of this message and all the messages that we're doing in this Proverbs series really starts how Proverbs starts. That wisdom flows from the fear of the Lord. That means walking in our lives into submission to God. And as we submit our lives to God, we're supposed to then trust him. When he tells us to do something, trust that it's going to work out the right way. Trust in him. And then it, the, Pro, the book of Proverbs starts unpacking all these different topics about wise choices as you make choices in your daily living. So the book is a complete practical book unpacking godly counsel and wisdom. And there's advice and wisdom about giving counsel. Being someone who is offering advice. And so we're going to look at that. In fact, 
there's, there's three segments that we'll look at today in our message. There's benefits of godly counsel. What are those? We'll, we'll touch on a few of those. When you are giving advice, there's certain things you should practice as you give it. Proverbs also talks about ideas that would be a better approach, an effective approach as you do it. That's going to be the movement of what we hit. So let's start out with looking at benefits of godly counsel. And again, backdrop, we're assuming that as you're giving counsel, your life is submitted to the Lord. That this, is, this is an assumption here, that you're living your life in submission to God, pointing to him, and that's the backdrop of this. But there are several benefits. I'll only point out three of them. The first one is this. One of the benefits of godly counsel is success. This is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. You can flip over there in your Bible, or if you have a cool iPad, iPhone, Blackberry, you can teleport your way there right now. Proverbs 15, it's what it says. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You ever sought counsel? Ever had big choices? You've had to seek out wise counsel? Moving, when I was uh, in preparing to be married in that engagement time, my wife and I, uh, when we were engaged, we were seeking out a lot of godly counsel, as much as we could get. Men and women that we respected. We did pastoral counseling. We did professional counseling. I remember sitting down with them and said, listen, I need to be here. I've never gone to professional counseling, but would you please look under the hood and let me know what you see. I, I'm preparing for this. I want to be ready. And it was outstanding. In fact, I still look back. We, we came out with great phrases, things that set us up. Uh, my wife, she was going to be moving uh, after we got married into the house I was living in. And so, you know, if you've been living somewhere, it's kind of all your place, all set up. And one guy said, listen, um, you're going to have to learn a few phrases here. You're going to be doing things different ways. So both of you are going to learn this. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just different. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. Keep that one in there. And he says, like, now listen, when she comes in, she gets to have free reign in the house. She can move things wherever she wants. It's, it can't be your territory she's moving in on. So here's a new phrase. It's not your way, it's, or it's not my way, it's not her way, it's our way. Oh, that's good to know. So she got to come in. Even if it didn't make sense to me, why would you put the cups over there? Hey, it's not right, it's not wrong, it's just different, right? <laughs> little things, little things. You know, learning how to do conflict. What stirs that? What things do I do that would drive her crazy? What things will she do that will drive me crazy? Learning to see that and learning how to walk through it. You know, our first year of marriage was so easy. It really was. We processed so much on our engagement. We're like, oh, that was hard. But marriage, like, man, this is easy. You know, Proverbs is right. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they what? They succeed. At advisors, big decisions in life, going into ministry. Still remember, I had godly men and women who were influencers. People who walked in ministry for years. There was one, she, uh, she wrote a song giving godly counsel. It was just, it's awesome. It was a beautiful song. I still remember it. Um, and there's one line in the bridge. It says, never lose the memory of the faith that you once knew when on your knees before the Lord, he showed you what to do. Great line in there. Moving into ministry, I'd be terrified. 
fear of failure, fear of not knowing, like, I got to preach, what am I going to say? I would be in these offices till two, three in the morning, on my, literally seeking God, begging him, and he would lead. And she knew this, and this was the backdrop of that song. But I'm telling you, that is good godly counsel. I still seek that. I want to be on my knees, a place of submission, humility. That gives me success, the things I'm doing. So Proverbs is saying, listen, we need godly counsel, and God will use you to help deliver it. So success. Second thing, another benefit of godly counsel is healing. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings, what's the next word? Healing. Words do have power of life, power of death. You know, we have a DNA created within us. We are designed to be life givers, bringers of life. God will use you to do this. He will. You've been made for it. You've been made for it. Third thing, benefit of godly counsel is wisdom. Wisdom. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you'll be wise. So it's saying, hey, if you listen to advice, godly instruction, you're going to have wisdom in your life. It's going to be an overflow of what you get. And here's the encouragement to you today, because we're talking about giving it. God will use you to bring it. Now understand, some people love to give advice and in, input and wisdom all the time, right? It can be an extreme. So there's some wisdom on pulling that back. There's also encouragement that needs to be given for godly men and women that God needs you, wants you to be involved in giving godly counsel and advice to others. Some people I know back off from this because they don't feel like they're educated enough. They don't have a BA, an MA, a PhD. Well, listen, we're talking about wisdom, not education. In fact, there's a misnomer, a, a crazy thought. People think that if you go to a university, you can even pay $100,000 for a four-year degree, and people think that you will come out with wisdom. You're not necessarily coming out with wisdom. You're getting knowledge. In fact, you'll find in a lot of university settings, it's devoid of wisdom. It's a, it, true, right? It's, it's morally ambiguous there. So you're getting knowledge, but we need godly men and women to bring wisdom. We need that. In fact, um, someone said it was the, a mother of a foolish idea. It started stirring in the 60s and 70s that said, well, you can't trust anybody over 30. Well, great wisdom there, right? So what's that leave you? Well, kind of follow your heart. You're taking a whole layer of wisdom away. We live off it. Wisdom from scripture. Godly men who've written and penned these things inspired by God. We need it. We're designed for it. God calls us to do it. Um, so those are, there's a lot of benefits of counsel. Let's, let's move into the topic now. As you start sharing, as you start giving counsel, start giving advice, there are certain ways to go about it, th- certain things to be practicing. The first one is when you are going to be moving into a situation where you're giving counsel, it has to be safe. It has to be safe. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3, tells us that. A gossip betrays a confidence. But a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Well, you know a basic requirement of any counselor? It's confidentiality. It breeds trust. Breeds security. It's essential. If you tend to be a name dropper, if you're someone 
um, who hears revealing information that even could seem scandalous or totally vulnerable to somebody else, and you have a tendency to spill that, better think twice about being someone who's opening yourself up to give the counsel to someone else. You'll hurt them in the end. You got to be willing to bury that stuff. Sit on it. Makes it safe. Makes it safe for people. Because an effective counselor, godly person, they understand the power of information and they wield it very carefully. So it's got to be safe. Second thing, or let me just give you one more Proverbs 25 verse 9. It says, if you argue your case with a neighbor, just don't betray another man's confidence. It's a good reminder. Second thing, when giving counsel, be sensitive. Be sensitive. This is Proverbs 16, 21. It says, the wise in heart are called discerning. Now, if you're in your Bible, you should look at this. I'm going to have you underline something. The wise in heart are called discerning. And pleasant words promote instruction. Now, what are the last two words on this parable or this proverb? It promotes instruction. This is beginning to give the heart of counsel. What's the heart of it? You're trying to help someone. You're promoting instruction. You're caring for them. You're looking out for their best interest. You're loving them. You want the best for them. So this is, say, when it, what it's, it's telling us is when you begin to give counsel, you've got to be really sensitive It's not always what you say. It's how you say it. Pleasant words. Think through that. How can you say this in the most pleasant way? It's received. Um, Great. Proverbs 27, 19 is another proverb that I want to share. It says, as water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects a man. They're sharing their, themselves. One of the most sensitive things that you can do that demonstrates care and love is as someone's sharing, you reflect back what you hear. It shows you're engaged. It shows that you hear them. You know, it sounds like you're saying this. This is, sounds like what you might be feeling. Is that what you're feeling? You don't have to agree with what they're saying. They just need to know you hear them. That shows care. They're opening themselves up. The heart, a man's heart, reflects the man. They're revealing their soul. So be sensitive to that. So be safe, be sensitive. Um, Third one is be shrewd. Be shrewd. What's that mean? Discerning. I'm going to give you three Proverbs on this one. Each one takes a different facet of this. The first facet of hey, being shrewd about timing is Proverbs 15.23. And it says, A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? What's the key word on that? Is timely. Uh, so on this, just like we said, how you say it is key, what you say how you say it. This is dealing with when you say it. Be discerning. Be shrewd on that. Um, Sometimes people are more open. It may not even be in the first meeting that you're meeting with them. You have to be discerning. Be shrewd on this. There's just points when people are more open to receive it. 
I found that. I found that after people get arrested, a lot of times they become real teachable. <laughs> they're crying. They're in the back seat. They're sharing their entire life story. But you know what? There are times that you can bring words of life to someone. Hey, listen, I know you're upset. I, and you have to understand, this doesn't have to mark your whole life. This doesn't have to define you. I've seen people in your situation make a 180. I've seen it. This could be your wake-up call. This actually could be the best thing that ever happened to you. You might want to start looking at who you're with, who you're hanging out with. How'd you get here? Just start talking to them. They, it's, a lot of people have never had anybody say anything like that. Now, it's not always received. That's why we have that cool plexiglass between us and them. So, <laughs> Spitting, headbutts, whatever. All right, shields. All right. Timing. So be shrewd about the timing. Another one is uh, be, be shrewd about being objective in it. This is Proverbs 18, verse 17. The first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. Well, you want to hear different sides of this. You're going to unpack more of the so- story. So there's got to be a sense trying to be objective in it as you're being sensitive and all the other things. There's another proverb that talks about being shrewd and discerning. And it deals with level of relationship. And this is Proverbs 27, verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. The pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. What's the backdrop of this counsel that's being given? It's friendship, relationship. It's really good to consider how much relationship you have when you're going to start offering advice or counsel. It may determine how far you can go. Um, We see good examples when there's deep relationship. A lot of times you can speak deeper, more clearly. They know you. They trust you. They know you're out for their best. You see it with Jonathan and David. and, um, And you see how Jonathan, it says he gave David words and helped him find strength in God. That's powerful. Words can do that. Timothy, or Paul did this to Timothy, and it describes it as made Timothy's heart feel glad when he was afraid and overwhelmed. But the whole backdrop was relationship. So just be discerning on that as you, as you move into the places of counsel. So when you give counsel, you want to be safe, be sensitive, be shrewd, and Now we're going to talk, there's Proverbs even talks about how do we even begin approaching this whole thing. How do you begin approach, how do you approach people? Someone sits down, they want to ask you for input on something, advice. Now what do you do? Is there anything that we can get from scripture to give us direction on that? Well there is, there is. So we'll walk through this because I want to encourage you. As you submit your life to the Lord, as Proverbs says, as you trust in him, you will have wisdom and understanding. And again, that's your backdrop. That's number one. If you're walking out of a place of rebellion to God, well, slow down before you try and sit down and walk someone else. If you're living in full rebellion, this doesn't mean that you have to be perfect when you're giving counsel. You're submitted to the Lord. You're openly walking with him. But as you do that, you'll have some wisdom. And here's the first thing that I want to point out. As you do this, the first thing is pray for insight. Pray for insight. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. Look at this one. 
Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. I'm actually going to look at, read verse 5 to you as well. Proverbs 30, it says, it's going to ask a bunch of rhetorical questions. Who's gone up to heaven and come down? Who's gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hands? Who has wrapped up the waters in his cloak? Who's established the ends of the earth? What's this proverb doing? It's Proverbs is coming to a close. It's beginning to ask rhetorical questions about the greatness of God. What do we know about God? He is the beginning and end of wisdom. He's the beginning and end of knowledge. Knowledge and wisdom reside with God. Quantum physics, elementary, he designed it. Chemistry, no big deal. Highest levels of mathematics, language, communication, he's got that. Understanding physics, people's personalities, what makes people tick, who sees the end from the beginning, who can see someone's life and know from the beginning to end what it looks like. We see people just in process. When you see me, I'm half-baked. I'm not done, right? When I see you, you're kind of half-done. We're people, it's called sanctified. We're being sanctified, being made more like Christ as we pursue him. God sees the finished product. When we begin to move into a place like this, this proverb is great because it's reminding us wisdom and understanding, it begins with God. Verse 5 in chapter 30 says, every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. How powerful is that? If you're going to be moving into a place and you're going to be giving godly counsel and advice, what a great place to start in humility by saying, Lord, I need your wisdom. Your words are flawless, not mine. Be a shield as I move into this. Give me wisdom. Praying through all the things we have just talked about. There's another um, proverb I want to read under this section. It's Proverbs 20, verse 18. It says, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. Now, why this proverb here? Because with a backdrop of the New Testament, we know Ephesians 6 describes what we're all a part of, and it's a major spiritual war. We're in battle. What kind of battle? Majority of the battle is for our mind. It's our thoughts, how we see life, how we see God, how we see ourselves, things we believe, thought patterns that are set up against God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Flip your Bible open to that one. This is a good one. It, it describes this. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5. This is what it says. It says, the weapons we fight with, they are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What this is saying is like there's a battle for the mind, the heart, and our thoughts. As you're walking with people, counseling, advising, we're trying to bring our thoughts under submission to the Lord, our own, and also bring theirs. But we need insight. This is a spiritual thing. It's spiritual. 
So we need guidance from God. That's why we pray for insight. Lord, give insight. Give me insight and direction. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He loves to give it. He'll provide it. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever prayed, said, God, open up my eyes to give me the right words, something that'll bring life here? Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever seen God come through and speak through you to move someone forward, encourage them on? Have you ever done that? Um, Last weekend, uh, we had a retreat. Our uh, college-age students from our church went and did a retreat, and I was speaking at that retreat. I was leading it. I'm teaching college group on Sunday nights, and we took a, a bunch of them out on a retreat, and one of the things that we discussed and talked about was the idea that God loves to do this. He loves to give insight. He loves to use you to move somebody on. And we created space just to seek God and pray for that. Let me just tell you, God blew people out of the water in a good way. God began putting names on their heart. People that were at that retreat began giving them either scriptures or words of encouragement to speak to different people. Students began sharing that with other students. I remember on Sunday morning, one of the students uh, shared with everybody. He says, you don't even know what last night was. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I, I tried to do that. And he says, I was having blocks. He couldn't even focus. He, had, he was dealing with three separate struggles and just battling in his own mind. And three different people came up to him that night and shared specifically words of life that counteracted each specific struggle. And as he shared, he goes, there is no way, there is no way those people could have known that I was thinking that. It's the first time he experienced God moving powerfully to speak to his heart. Isn't that powerful? The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as the counselor. He's the great counselor. So let's turn to the great counselor before we move into counsel. It was great. I was meeting with, we had a middle school retreat this past week too. I met with those leaders when they got back and I was having lunch with them. And a lot of those leaders had just gone to the college retreat. They're serving on staff in middle school. And it's like, you won't even believe what God was doing there. They began teaching their middle school students the same thing. Students listening on behalf of other students. Ministry happening outside of a meeting time where students just begins to bring words of life and encouragement. Students can do this. Can we do this? Of course we can. Pray for insight. God loves to give that. So once you've prayed for insight, as you're, now this one is, you start unpacking. Let's say you're going to be sharing a lot. You want to dig for the root. That's the second thing here. Dig for the root. It's really easy to talk surface symptoms. You're just trying to get to the heart of what's going on. And again, there's going to be things that are way over your head. Advise them to seek wiser counsel. Maybe people professionally. That's healthy too. But as you do this, you're going to begin digging for the root. Proverbs 18.3 says, He who answers before listening, that's his folly and his shame. People are laughing like, oh, <laughs> yep. Have you ever done that? Oops. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out How do you draw that out? Now, a lot of times it's just simply asking good questions as you're meeting with somebody. You don't have to start talking. Just understand them. 
You know, when did you start feeling like this? I notice that whenever you say this, tears come into your eyes. What's that about? You know, you said this. What did you mean by that? Um, what's been the hardest thing for you through this process? You're just asking questions. That helps people even express those things and figure it out. You're just trying to get to the heart of it. It could be, it could be anything. Um, it could be a student who's cutting. Right? You don't need to just jump into counsel why that could be dangerous. There's something else going on. There's something deeper that's stirring. What is that? What kind of, why are they willing to exert physical pain? What's, what's the internal pain that's going on? What's happening in their heart? Sometimes people get lost in sexual sin, sleeping around. We can talk about the sexual sin, but sometimes people are just seeking. There's, some, there's either a level of acceptance or something they're looking for. Is there another heart issue involved in that? That's what you're trying to get, surface. In fact, Proverbs speaks of a lot of different kind of hearts. A hurting heart, a scheming heart, a cunning or sensual heart, a deceptive heart, proud, a heart of rage, envious heart. It also has opposites, a lot of different pure hearts, joyous heart, different things like that. But you're just trying to get to it. There's a psalm that speaks to it. It's Psalm 139. You can flip there. Verse 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This psalm is really dealing with us going before the Lord. But as you're counseling and advising someone too, you're just trying to bring them before the Lord. Just doing this with them. See if there's any offensive way in me. We are, we're full of offensive ways. We know. We're struggling. You know, sometimes we realize how many of our actions are really manipulated by our own vanity or seeking approval. Um, sometimes a lot of our ch- decisions and choices are motivated by certain fears that we have. But Lord, search that out. Let's bring it before him. Let's see what he can do with it. And lead me in the everlasting way. And this is where you're going to want to go when you're giving advice. You want to point people in an everlasting way. Well, how do you do that? You know you can already begin that even by giving counsel certain questions. This leads us into the next one. But imagine it's like, man, what, do you realize that Christ rose, and what power there is in the resurrection. How's that apply to where you're at? Start stirring their mind a little bit. Do you know that the next thing you want to do is people are beginning to reveal their heart. You simply want to point them to Christ. Point them to Christ. Do you know that Jesus is the promised land of counseling? It's the promised land. Children of Israel always want to get to the promised land. If there's one place we want to get to, It's bring them to Jesus. Why? Because that is the place of hope. That's the place of power. That's where real change can happen. That's where there's power outside of human ability. The power of the resurrection that lives within us. Now, look how Proverbs chapter 9 begins to unpack this. It says in verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So again, this goes back to Anytime, if you want wisdom and understanding for your life or anybody else that you're talking to needs wisdom and understanding, take their hand and gently start bringing them to the Lord. The backdrop of the New Testament reveals more of who God is. 2 Peter 3.18, look at this verse. But grow in the grace and knowledge of what? Our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. I love those two words, grace and knowledge, grace and truth. When we're dialoguing about life issues, we need truth, but we also need grace. If you only speak of truth and there's never grace, you're speaking half-truth. Because with Jesus, there's always grace. There always is. When people are revealing the brokenest pieces of their life, they're broken over that. And people would come to Jesus on that. He was so gentle. There's grace. In fact, um, there's, a, there's a great saying, and, it's, and this is really where, where you want to be able to bring people in in a counseling situation. Because they're going to realize that there's certain commands of God and expectations that are laid out in Scripture. Well, how, and they feel like, I could never do that. It seems broke. I'm, it's unattainable for me. If you're ever giving counsel, teaching, instruction, and it seems unattainable for a Christ follower to get there, you're given half-truth. And here's, here's the big secret. Whatever God's truth demands... His grace will provide. Whatever God's truth will demand, his grace will provide it. He always has done this. When we needed a perfect sacrifice, what did God do? In his grace, he provided it. When we needed overcoming power, what did God do? Rose from the dead. Sent his Holy Spirit to give us power now. The very power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within us. So that whenever there's an expectation, don't even look at it as an expectation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to experience greater power from God in that area of your life. It's a pathway to deeper relationship. That's why the worst things could be shared with you. You don't need to sit in shock. You get to bring hope. Oh, that's great. God's amazing at that. He's brilliant at that. There's power available. I know, like they're going to say, I don't think, I've tried, I'm overcome. Well, there is overcoming power. You bring him to Jesus. That is the most powerful thing you can do. It is his job to reveal. It is his job to cleanse. Our job is to yield. Our job is to trust in his ability to do even things in and through us we couldn't do on our own. We're here to stir people's faith in that, encourage them in that, remind them of that. If there's one thing we're trying to do in this, we are like a big road sign. It says that way. We're not trying to draw people to ourselves. We are pointing them to Jesus. That's what we do. Because we know there's hope and there's power. That's where wisdom lies. We can do that. You want to let them know their truest identity in God. You are the righteousness of Christ. You can live in righteousness. He promised he would empower you for it. You're a co-heir. You reign. This is who you are. How you're acting is not even your truest identity. Your truest identity is in him. That's what you're pointing people to. You know, when we're giving counsel and advice, we're not trying to just make better people. No, we want people to become Christ-like. We want them to experience power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And so we bring them to Christ. 
That's what we're looking for. So you've prayed for insight. You've dug for the root. You're seeing the heart of a problem, an issue, and you point him to Christ. Give you one last thing that Proverbs talks about that's key, and it's this. It's no one to stop. No one to stop. Be quiet. You know, sometimes it's like you don't have to serve a whole meal, like douse it down, just relax on that. But there's another aspect, too, when is you're giving life-giving words and counsel and advice. Just like I shared at the beginning of this message, it is not always received. No one to stop. Proverbs 18, verse 2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. If you just sit and talk with somebody, and all they want to do is just talk and talk and talk, um, even when... When you've heard it, it's now rehashing it over and over and over. They're not listening, open to receiving truth. It's not going to be real fruitful to keep going on that one. Put on the brakes. Exit, stage right. Proverbs 29, verse 19. A servant cannot be corrected by mere words. Though he understands, he won't respond. Do you ever get a situation where people just, they're not going to respond at all? It could be just in the conversation. But a lot of times people will listen, respond, but they never act on it. Same conversation over and over, but there's never action. Simple thing that I'll do when I'm talking to people, just pointing them to Christ, giving either a scripture to read, an exercise to do, and just say, hey, try this. I want you to do this. Read this chapter. Circle what do you see stand out about the power of God, who you are in Christ, whatever. And next time they come and meet, and they start jumping into the same story of where they're at, and saying, well, tell me how that went. How did that exercise go for you? Well, I didn't do that yet. Well, good. Go do that, and let's talk about it. Because I'm telling you, that's where there's life. You know, just, just keep pointing people back. It's not always wise to just always engage in that. Just know when to stop. There's wisdom in that, too. So we sit here on a morning like this, and whenever God gives us teaching, a lot of time God wants to put that into action pretty quick. So this morning, I'm just telling you, there's probably people sitting all over this room that are personally seeking, craving. It could be you. You need counsel. You need to hear from God about something in your life. There could be someone within your sphere of influence or people you're going to run into, talk to, that may need words from you, encouragement, godly advice, and counsel. So let's prepare ourselves for that today. We're going we're gonna to spend a moment of reflection right now. And I'm going to lead you through time where we're just going to talk to God, seek God. Let him begin to minister. Let him begin to do what he wants to do. And our worship team is going to come out and, and lead in that. So if you've got your Bibles, you can just put them away. We're going to be taking our offering in just a second. And after we do this exercise, and when we do, there's a, there's a keep in touch card you can fill out and, and you can uh, put prayer requests on that too. We'd love to do that, but just put things away. I'm going to lead this in a time where we go before the Lord. Okay. You can even dim the lights in here. And let's, let's just bow our heads, okay? Remember Proverbs 30, who has gone up to the heavens and come down? Who's gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hands? Who's wrapped up the waters in his cloak? 
Who has established the ends of the earth? Who's done that? First thing to do is you just submit yourself to the Lord. It's always a heart issue. You bring your heart to the Lord right now. Even if your heart is an envious heart this morning or a raging heart or broken heart or if it's a joyful heart a happy heart let's just bring our hearts to the Lord sit in the one who brings wisdom and understanding if you've never given yourself your heart to submission to the Lord you say yes to Jesus his death his burial resurrection his overcoming power The wisest thing you could do this morning is submit yourself to the Lord. So that's starting point number one. Say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Come into my life. Let me tell you what happens. Even if you don't feel something, you get the benefit of the Holy Spirit known as the Counselor. Lead you into all truth and wisdom and guidance. And that's where we all turn this morning. So, Father, I ask right now as we bow our heads, as we are seeking you, we need words of life. We need you to show us how you see things. We see a small fraction. You see everything. Let that settle us. May we be people who seek you and love you and pursue you. May you open up our minds, Lord, when we sit before others, that we'd know how to encourage and give wise input, know when to be quiet, know how to be sensitive, know when to say, when not to say things. But I'm asking, Lord, right now, would you even give, put it on our our minds, Lord, if there is someone that has been seeking us out or needing input, would you put them on our mind right now? Would you begin revealing ways we can point them to you, bringing words of hope? As we, um, as we sit here, uh, this worship team is going to lead us. But you don't, I don't want you to sing right now. I just want you to listen. Let this wash over you. It's a prayer that's being prayed. And as they do that, pay attention to what God brings to your mind. Listen to the words of the song. And as God leads you, he may be giving you insight on, uh, on your life or in a way to give counsel, advice to somebody else. Ask him for that. Trust him that he's going to lead you into that. So, Father, as we, as we do this, would you open up our minds and our hearts to hear and receive from you? We ask in your name. Isn't that reassuring? Good. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Let that wash over you. It's good to be together with you guys. You know, next week is going to be a really, it's going to be a great weekend here. We are, how many of you have been to an encounter service? Okay, if you don't know what that is, we sometimes will gather one of the nights, and we do extended worship. Sometimes there's baptism, spend some time in prayer. Um, and we've usually done that. We've always done it in evenings. Well, next weekend, we're going to try something. We are taking that to Sunday morning. So next Sunday, it's going to be a different kind of service, more worship. You're going to see baptisms. There is nothing like seeing a life that's changed, just that testimony there. You're going to see a bunch of baptisms next week. Um, it's going to be a powerful time. Mike will be here. He'll be joining us in that and, and leading through that time. And it's going to be powerful. So I want to invite you guys to come on out. If you are someone who has given your life to Christ, you're a Christ follower, you want to be baptized, just contact the church office. They'll uh, explain what you need to do next. But if you'd like to be baptized next week, make that call. It'll be great. First thing 
the Lord asks us to do as a Christ follower. So I encourage you to step in and do that. Um, before you leave, I just want to ask the Lord for a blessing over you. May this week be a week where you encounter him in very fresh ways. May the wisdom and understanding of God be released as you submit yourselves to him. May it be released to you. May you walk in great humility and confidence as you walk in submission to him. May God open your eyes to people around you that you can bring life-giving words. May you be sensitive in those moments. And may people become more like Christ because you're being released in ministry like that. So God bless you guys. You guys going to be here next week? All right, I'll catch you then. See you guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.